0: Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and today we are going to talk about this month's CPI report, which came out this morning. It is uh, December 2021, and we're talking about the November CPI report. I am amazed, uh, disheartened, maybe, um, and perhaps a little bit angry. If you'd told me in 2019 that I would be sitting here in in late 2021 with headline inflation at 6.8% year-on-year and core inflation at 4.9%, and that it wasn't even the peak yet, (laughs) I'd have had you committed. That was in late 2019. That was an insane thought. I was bullish on inflation. But back then, to me, that meant, you know, 3%, maybe 3.5% on core, and gradually going higher over time. Maybe maybe the next low is only 2%, then we get 4% on the high. But over, you know, a decade, right, I didn't realize who knew what was in store. But that's where we are. For a third month in a row, there were, in this month's, report no outstanding, weird, one-off pieces. There was housing, uh, rent of primary residence, and owner's equivalent rent were both up uh, faster than 0.4% month-on-month for the the second month in a row. We've been saying for a long time that, that that was eventually going to happen once the, you know we sort of knew what the asking rents were doing. They were going through the roof. And the reason that owner's equivalent rent and that primary rents were not rising was because the eviction moratorium um, had blunted those signals um, by really preventing landlords from evicting people who didn't pay. And that sort of had a depressing effect because of the way the, the rents are counted. We knew when the eviction moratorium ended that rents were going to, to catch up, if you will. Um, but there was some questions as how fast that would really happen, because once the moratorium ends, it still takes some time to actually evict people. Um, and the question was, well, how fast will people just walk out uh, versus being carried out? And, and in the event, it's, it's happened a lot faster than, than, than I thought, uh, certainly. Um, and it's got a lot more to go. We also had used cars uh, up two and a half percent month on month, um, and that was actually a little bit less than I thought it would be. You know, it's it's amazing. We thought we were past the peak in used car inflation uh, earlier this year, and and after a little bit of a lull, it surged right back up. Look, we, we there's just not enough supply out there. Um, new car inflation was was one one percent or so, and it was the third month in a row of one point one percent or or above. So so better than a twelve percent annualized rate, right? So uh, automobiles and and car parts and and sort of and rentals and everything associated with with uh, automotive transportation um, have all been up for a while and and sort of continuing to go up. And so if you want to think of that as an outlier, you can. I mean, eventually new new car prices. And used car prices won't come down, but the rate will come down. They're not going to keep going up at the crazy rate they've been going up. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's enough of core CPI that if, if new car and used car prices just went flat, then that would take a lot of the air out of the, the overall inflation rate, but not enough. That's, it's not just used car prices anymore. There aren't a lot of outliers, and that's the problem. Only 20% of the consumption basket is is inflating or has inflated over the last year less than 3%. Okay, let me repeat that. Only one-fifth of the things that you buy has gone up less than 3% over the last year, and 40% of the stuff you buy has gone up more than 4%. And some of that a lot more. When you look at the distribution, and I, I said this in my my tweets around the number today. The distribution of price changes doesn't look like a distribution. It looks like a splatter. Um, it just you know it, it's all over, but it's all moving to the right. Um, all of the all of the components are moving to the right. Food is is up 5.8 percent year on year. Um, gasoline last Last Christmas, the nationwide gas uh, average gasoline price was two and a quarter a gallon, and now it's three thirty-five a gallon, um, and that may be coming down next month. Um, wholesale prices have declined, but it's still very big numbers, and and all of this th- this broadening of prices so that there are price increases everywhere you look in in almost everything you buy. I mean, the only thing which went down an appreciable amount this month was jewelry and watches, and that sort of jumps around a lot, and there's weird seasonal adjustments this time of year anyway. um, But almost everything you buy is going up and going up appreciably, and that changes behavior. It changes behavior on the business side because businesses that – Are able to, but large businesses that have pricing power uh, are raising prices and seeing that they can raise prices. And having learned that, it's very hard to forget that, hey, we're the biggest and the baddest. We we you know have a dominant position in this industry. We can raise prices and we're not going to lose all of our business because there's no one to lose it to. And yes, there's probably no business that's so large that if it's ridiculous on prices, that it can't lose business, um, but there there is a lot more concentration in industry now than there was 20 years ago, and and that does mean that once businesses want to start moving prices higher, there's very little to stop them from doing so. Competition is what tends to restrain uh, that impulse a little bit, and. And the amount of competition in this country is a lot lower than it was 20 years ago. And it's not just on the business side. You know, consumers get less resistant to price increases as inflation gets normalized. If all of your prices, if every time you go to the restaurant, every time you go to the the deli, every time you go to buy a car, the prices are the same as they were last year. Then when a price changes, then you can get annoyed. You can push back a little bit. But when everywhere you look, prices are going up, it's hard to complain. It's like, why did you raise prices 4%? And the answer from the vendor is, because everyone raised prices 4%. Why are you, why are you giving me such grief? W- wages also start to accelerate. And this is also part of the, you know, the consumers who are, are you know, seeing everything go up are also the people who are demanding higher wages. Uh, unions that collectively bargain – collectively bargain for indexation in their wages as, as happened um, just recently at Deer, And, and again, you know, these are all behavioral changes and structural changes that are very, very hard to unwind once they get embedded in the economy and embedded. They appear to be getting in a recent podcast, how many swallows make a spring, uh, an inflation guy podcast um I talked about the probability and the evidence that the entire the the equilibrium level of inflation even if even when this the transitory part of this inflation passes okay we go back to equilibrium the equilibrium level appears to now be higher the new distribution is maybe three percent on the low end and four percent on the high end or maybe it's 25 to 3.5%. But it's not one5 to 2.5% anymore. So even when it recedes, it's still going to be higher than the old equilibrium. And, and it might well be higher than the old highs that we saw on, on core inflation. We hadn't been above 3% core inflation uh, before this move. We had not been above 3% core inflation in the, in the United States for a quarter century. And now... That may be looking like the low end of what we could go back to. Okay, so we went through 3% once and we're just not going to see it again. Okay, so maybe the low end is two and a half, two and three quarters. But the point is that this is a, a new world, a new distribution, and the volatility is now around a higher level. More volatility around a higher level. We are going to see over the next 10 years, we're going to see more fours. Than, we've, than we have seen in a very, very long time. And the part that makes me angry is that this is 100% policy error. Okay, this is, this is not COVID. COVID was a precondition for the policy error, but we can't blame COVID anymore for that. GDP is back on the pre-pandemic trend. Okay so the supply while there are bottlenecks and so on the supply is where it would have been the reason that there are bottlenecks is that incomes are far 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 above the pre-pandemic trend and that's what causes the shortage there's too much money there relative to the output that is a policy mistake it's federal reserve policy mistake it's fiscal policy mistake those two things put together so as i say this we have stocks near all time highs we have bond yields near all time lows and we have <laughs> we have inflation at 40 year highs so what's wrong with this picture well either investors just don't believe the numbers and they believe the government is exaggerating inflation high instead of low, Um, or they believe that this is really transitory um, and and so inflation is just going to go back down and we don't have to worry about any of this and the Fed can keep supplying money, Um, or investors believe that the Fed can be very hawkish and take away the punch bowl in order to restrain inflation, but it won't affect bond yields, it won't affect stocks. I don't know which of those three stories makes any sense at all. I, I guess you'd like to say it's just sort of a, a case of American optimism that everything somehow is going to all work out. Um, but general optimism has a way of sometimes running into, into reality and, and rather suddenly. And, and so we're now heading into a Federal Reserve meeting. And, and the question, of course, is what's the Fed going to do? And the odds on bet right now is that the Fed is going to taper faster. In other words, they're, they're, they're still easing. They're adding lots of liquidity every month. But they're going to add less liquidity in each subsequent month until they finally stop adding liquidity. OK, so they've been digging a hole. And they're just going to dig a hole more slowly it doesn't really sound like a solution to me. And maybe that's why equities are still quite happy that they're okay. There's still liquidity. There's a little less liquidity, but then when the fed runs out of that, when they've finally stopped tapering, the assumption is, and frankly, the statements of, of federal reserve speakers um, imply that there will then be rate increases. And I find it hard to believe that the equity markets at all time uh, multiples of of trailing earnings um, can sustain significantly higher interest rates. I don't necessarily know that they'll have to because I, I think that if the Fed does start to hike interest rates, I don't think stocks can stay up and I think that the Fed will respond to a declining stock market by not tightening so much. So I, I, I think the Fed is still in a box here. And again, maybe that's the source of the optimism for stocks is that, yay, we have the Fed in a box, and so they can't really do any damage to us. We will do much more damage to the Fed than the Fed will do to us. Um, perhaps that's it. I don't know. Um, what I do know is that we haven't seen the peak of inflation yet. We over the next couple of months, because of, of easy comparisons to a year ago, we're going to see headline inflation is going to be up over 7%, core inflation is going to be up over 5%. Um, and you know, and, and you might see core inflation make a run at six. Um so you know, we haven't yet gotten to that peak. And when we get to that peak, when we start having more difficult comparisons, the idea that that year-on-year inflation will decline is based on an assumption that we should think about very explicitly. And the assumption is that those one-off things that caused the, this initial rise over the last year and that are going to finally start passing out of the data in, in three or four months from now. That those will not be replaced by other things. If if you if you sort of model what's going to happen to inflation going forward, you, you have to make an assumption of what these new what the new monthlies will be. Okay. So if you if your assumption is that the new monthly core inflation number is 0.2%, then eventually your entire series will come back to 2.4. 12 times 0.2. And 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 so that's what your forecast looks like. But you're making an assumption there that there's nothing special going on that that isn't that's permanent. That all those things were all pandemic related and we're going to go back to 0.1 or 0.2 per month on core inflation. I don't think that's going to happen. And so even once we reach the peak and we do start to recede in a few months Again, we're going to a new higher distribution. It's going to take a while for that to really get clear. Uh, but I do think that's where we're going. So that's all I have to say about the CPI this month. And that's all for this edition of Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. Again, I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy. You can contact me at InflationGuy at enduringinvestments.com. Or you can go to enduringinvestments.com and fill out the contact form. Or you can download the Inflation Guy app and contact me from within the app. Or you can follow me on Twitter at, at inflation underscore guy. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. Defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember... You know a guy.